Welcome into episode four of the Creed of Crypto podcast, where we provide immersive, essential, and evergreen strategies for the novice cryptocurrency investor. How you doing? I am one half of your host, ETH Moon. I've got with me, as always, Crypto Ewok. We'll get to in just a second. I want to remind you real quick, just to follow the show on Twitter. We are at Creed of Crypto. And if you find it in the kindness of your heart, leave us a rating and review here on Apple Podcasts. We very much appreciate it. Ewok, how is it going this week? What are you feeling about the markets? Tell us how you're feeling about crypto right now. Well, I'm feeling pretty good. It's confusing me a little bit because what I thought was happening turns out to be a little different. So I'm <laughs> um, still not sure. <laughs> a little different in a good way, though, correct? Um, if you're a Bitcoin or Ethereum holder, yes. Yeah. So talk about that a little yeah. bit before we get into our main topic today. And we are going to get into... Um, it may be the most fun topic that we will have discussed yet, and that's going to be taxes. And this will be a uh, focus, of course, on the U.S. investor anyway. But but yeah, Ewok, get into a little bit. I know you've kind of been talking about um, thinking that the market may be headed for some bear territory, but the movement this last week may have kind of changed your mind. Yeah, just go ahead and expand on it a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the last local high that bitcoin had was about 52,000 almost 53,000 um and i th thought it kept continuing to do some you know bounces but they weren't breaking through that through that line that support and uh it, it finally did all the way up to about 57,000 now so mm -hmm. um it, who knows it could be turning around for the better it could be a fake out you know the the market is full of loss trading and manipulators. So it's really, really hard to say at this point, uh, but just something to keep your eye eye out for. It's uh, potentially headed back up to that. You know, our, I think our next level of support is about 60,000. Mm -hmm. If it breaks that, that's another clear sign that it the 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 bull market is is still in effect. And I, I was wrong. So I, I don't mind admitting it. Definitely, that that's the kind of thing you don't mind being on the wrong side of the fence, though, for sure. Yeah, um, I know there's a lot of people waving that bull flag here. I mean, you know, in, in crypto, something that you'll find is there's always going to be people that are um, waving the bear and bull flag constantly, no matter what. And then I find, too, and I don't know if you've experienced this, too, Ewok, but I, I find a lot of people that cover the space and maybe are just like out there for clicks or something like that. They give kind of ambiguous opinions about where they think the market is going. They'll kind of toe a line as to not necessarily say anything. So they can be right either way. They don't ever have to delete the tweet. Do you ever see anything like that? Or you know what I'm talking about? Oh, absolutely. There's uh, several influencers that do the same thing. Right. Um, and they, they use that ploy to get you to join their paid group. Um, and follow what they're doing because they'll tell you, well, if it goes past this level, you know, it could be going up. If it drops below this level, could be going down. Right. So they don't really ever give you their prediction. However, they give you enough analysis to make you want to hear what they have to say a little bit more. And you join your paid group and, you know, 
goes from there. Yeah, basically. And we've covered influencers like that on previous episodes, which you can check out. But yeah, today we are going to talk about everybody's favorite topic, and uh, that is taxes. And there's a lot of things we can get into on this. And it isn't all necessarily negative. I mean, you know, unfortunately, in the United States, uh, you know, taxes exist. It's something that you have to deal with in one way or the other. Um, There are ways legally to put yourself in a more tax advantage space versus not. You know, we have known that for years as far as just kind of trading with regular U.S. dollars. And there's been all kinds of different funds like IRAs, Roth IRAs geared towards uh, certain ways of trying to pay less taxes and things like that. And you, you can do similar things in the crypto world. So the funny thing is we're still in the kind of infantile stages of some of this stuff um, because, you know, crypto is still so new. So we're still kind of like learning some of the tax law and stuff like that. Um, but before we actually jump in, Ewok, I'm curious if you want to, as much as you want to get into it, that you're willing to divulge anyway, being in the crypto space now for four years or so, um, have you? What have been some of your experiences in those early days with uh, the IRS or taxes or anything that may have been like little surprises to you? Just anything that you kind of learned along the way as you were starting out in crypto. <laughs> well, there is a, a funny story I can share with you because you know I, I realized I had made a mistake after I did. It turned out to be in my favor. So I really wasn't doing anything wrong. In fact, you know, the IRS thought I was. Uh, but back in 2018, um, I had lost a little bit of money there at the end. Um, figured I'm going to try this uh, trading bot thing here. Mm-hmm. So I hooked up a couple accounts and proceeded to get a pretty nice trading bot and it it went to make you know some nice gains however the value of the coin went down in in almost every currency that was out there uh but i did increase position so i mean it was doing the right thing it was just the value of it went down um i guess it was probably last year i got a letter from the irs telling them telling me that I owed them, you know, upwards of $65,000. Now that was the value of all the trades that had happened. And because I was using Coinbase to do it, um, after a certain tier, they do report your tradings to the IRS. And because I didn't um, report it, <laughs> And the reason I didn't report it is because I didn't make money. I lost money, right. which I should have written it off. But, you know, that was hindsight at that point. Um, after I had rerun the taxes and, and you know, got some tax software to help me out with it, because there were just so many transactions that I couldn't even think about doing it manually. Um, it turns out that I had lost about, $6,500. So I was able to write that off on my taxes. They ended up giving me a refund. Uh, but just know, um, don't try to hide it because if you do cross a certain threshold, they're watching and they know what you're doing, whether you admit it or not. Um, that's why the 
AML KYCs are out there. Um, they're preventing people from, you know, laundering money and doing things and uh, th- that you're not supposed to do, especially right. in the United States. So just just be careful. Uh, you're better off doing it up front and, and getting it right, and uh, then then trying to hide it and wait till they catch up with you, because when that happens, it's it's not good either because they will charge you interest. Um, they'll charge you for, you know basically lying on your taxes, which is another fee on top of it. Now they waived that fee for me because I I didn't make money, which they thought I did. I, I ended up losing. So all of those fees were, were waived as well. One of the That's most, my story with the IRS. Well, I was going to say <laughs> one of the one of the more interesting parts of it to me. Now, I, I knock on wood, I've never been audited, but um, you know, I'm sure many people have before. So, how many um, was this a good? It sounds like it was over at least two years until you actually received the audit for a previous tax year. So, was it? It, it wasn't like these things aren't really that instantaneous, or even like maybe within the same year. Was it multiple years down the road? It was. It was uh, late. 2020 hmm. is when I got the letter from the IRS. And uh, it, I mean, late, I'm talking December 21st. And I had to have a response by the 20th. They gave me like five days, Wow! literally five days to get all that stuff together. So um, wow. not much time at all. That's incredible. I mean, that that is, yeah, especially with it being trades like that. I mean, if it was something where you did actually profit, Oh my God, just with that many, that volume of trades to get all that together that quickly is kind of, kind of a ridiculous request. But, uh, um, yeah, yeah, it is an interesting thing. And and like I said, that, that's why I had to purchase a a tax software that I could just plug the, um, you know, any, any exchange you can download your CSV file, which puts it into an Excel spreadsheet, gives you pretty much everything except for the cost of the transaction when you did it. That's one of the things it doesn't provide. And that's what the tax softwares actually do. They'll go through, look at what time it was and um, give you the the time-weighted value uh, of that trade at that time. So Hmm. yeah, (laughs) luckily- it's it's definitely that good that existed. they well I was gonna say it's definitely good that they do exist and you know before I even do forget and before we actually get into these questions that'll be applicable for everybody listening can you talk about because I know there's a couple different products I think you've actually even mentioned a couple of them to me before but when doing crypto taxes there are crypto specific tools crypto specific sites that you can use for getting your taxes done could you give a could you give a review of those just kind of quickly, like what you did actually use, you know, how intuitive it is? Is it easy to use? Just so listeners have an idea, because this can obviously get complicated, just like, you know, doing taxes for fiat money. Yeah, um, there's uh, there's a couple different ones that I had played around with. Um, crypto, what was it? CryptoTraderTax.com, I believe. There's that one. There's one called Coinly. And I think Coinly is one of the ones I ultimately ended up using because it was um, much easier to navigate through. Uh, You can actually just plug your Ethereum address into that and it'll go out and look for you. You don't have to upload anything to it. So um, that one's nice in in that aspect. Uh, Keep an eye on some of the other things too. 
it also if you're under i don't know whether I, I can't remember the number off the top of my head but i think if it's under 200 transactions you fall into a much lower level uh but because i had a trading bot i was over 16 or 1700 transactions right. which put me into a pro trader kind of category not that i was a pro trader obviously i lost $6,500. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but just keep that in mind. You know, if you go over a certain number of transactions, they will group you into the higher um, category because it's, it has to do more work to figure out your numbers. So, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I just looked uh, the, a quick Google search. It looks like that crypto trader dot tax is the first one that does come up. So definitely good. that stuff like that exists. And yeah, that's another yeah. thing you and I are really, you know, I know you're not these days, like we're more hodlers obviously than day traders or anything like that. And we've talked about that on this podcast and that makes taxes obviously a lot more difficult if you're actually trading at a high volume like that. But for most of the people yep. listening, they're probably not engaging in that kind of activity. They're probably more just crypto holders. And let's get into this document. So what I'm looking at is actually straight from the IRS. This is frequently asked questions on virtual currency transactions. Um, this is straight on their website. So it's it's exactly the stuff that they provide right out of the horse's mouth. Can't really be contradicted or anything. Um, so kind of just going down here, we're going to pull out like the prevalent questions that make a lot of sense to make sure that we have a good understanding of this. And so that you guys can really glean the information you need, you know, when you make a trade, when you maybe cash out, when you buy crypto, whatever it may be. So I'm looking at question four here. This to me seemed to be one of the first really applicable ones. And that is, will I recognize a gain or loss when I sell my virtual currency for real currency? So in other words, whenever you sell any crypto and get back into USDC, well, that's one, something I want to clarify a bit. But the answer to the question is yes. When you sell virtual currency, you must recognize any capital gain or loss on the sale subject to any limitations on the deductibility of capital losses. Um, so in other words, the, the most common scenario, well, I should say both these scenarios are going to be common when you cash out for a gain or a loss, yeah, you're you're going to be taxed. Now, if it's a loss, um, as Ewok just talked about there, that can be accounted for and it can be written off in most cases. But this shows that yep. with any kind of a gain, the minute that you say you buy Ethereum today, you know, you trade it back in, we'll say sometime in December when it's gone up 3x by that point. And you're, uh, you know, collecting your money. There's going to be a capital gains tax on that, correct? That is correct. Now, keep in mind uh, a little tip for for this question and answer. Actually, um, if you're one of those type of people that dollar cost average in during a bull run, when there is a dip in the market and it's under what you've paid for it, I highly recommend selling and then buying right back. Um, it'll give you a nice little write-off on your gains that you can use against future gains or if you do have other gains as well. Um, you're not really hurting your position, uh, but you are getting a, a nice little deduction. So keep that in mind. So basically, um, it will show as if you just bought at that one time, 
essentially. Is, is that kind of what you're saying? Well, you, well, yeah. So, I mean, all right. Say you buy on the way up and you dollar cost in, dollar cost in, dollar cost in. Uh, price keeps going up. You're making some gains, but you hold on to it throughout a bear market uh, when the when the prices are coming back down. Oh, I see. Once they've gone lower than what you bought in for originally, um, try to wait it out till you know even if it is the bottom but you're buying back in at a much lower so you can write off that entire dollar cost in as a loss and then you have one purchase back in at that rate so it makes it easier on the on the long long term for when you do actually cash some out it's one transaction to figure out and not 50 right um or you know as you as you dollar cost in uh, plus, you can you can use that loss at, at, to your advantage as a as a deduction. So, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense actually. Too, it really the only thing you're missing out on at that point is just maybe the fees of buying back in, but that'll be nothing in the grand scheme of things, obviously. So, right, um, yeah, right. Th- that makes a lot of sense. That's a good tip too, because you know, for anybody that is hodling, obviously, that's something you're going to end up possibly being in a situation to do. So, um. I want to look down at the next question. I mean, this is pretty basic, but frankly, again, I mean, we're treating this like people are new cryptocurrency investors. And frankly, as you already talked about earlier, when you get onto these exchanges originally and you're doing the KYC, you know, your customer stuff and you're uploading pictures of, you know, you and your firstborn and your dog and, uh, <laughs> you know, your, your entire family and everything like that. You know, it it feels like, oh, man, I'm going to be taxed on this stuff right away. So I get why this question's on here. But um, question five is the 2020 form 1040 asks whether at any time during 2020 I received, sold, sent, exchanged, or otherwise acquired any financial interest in any virtual currency. During whatever past year, we'll say 2021 at this point, I purchased virtual currency with real currency and had no other virtual currency transactions during the year. Must I answer yes to this question? So in other words, if all you did was buy crypto in a calendar year, uh, no, you do not have to answer yes to the question I received, sold, sent, exchanged, or otherwise acquired any financial interest because you're not, you're not necessarily saying that you have acquired interest because you haven't sold it off. So if you let's just say that we are on the precipice of the end of this bull run starting here in Q4 and you just decided to put everything in right now and you didn't touch it for the last, you know, 2 months of 2021, you're there there's no reason for you to be taxed or anything. So you don't even have to report that stuff. All you did was actually buy in and then at some point in 2022, if you would actually cash it out, that's when you're actually reporting it. That's how you read this too, Ewok. Yep. Exactly. That that's yep, completely the case. And talk, you know, talk yeah, a little bit. About- if all you do is buy, mm-hmm. yep. If all you do is buy and, and you hold it throughout the rest of the year, you absolutely do not have to answer yes to that question. And talk a bit about this too, because it can be tricky, especially in this market with how volatile it can be. Um, there's going to be people who, based on a certain year, if we are like in a uh, what seems like a bull market for most of the year with not a lot of dips versus maybe entering a bear market, you can kind of strategically decide when you're going to cash out to try to avoid a taxable event, you know? Um, and that's not like being, I mean, I guess it is manipulating, but you're not avoiding anything. You're just, you're taking a calculated risk on your own point to avoid having to be taxed sooner than you may have to be. So 
Have you had any dealings like that over the years where it was like, I think we're starting to get into a bear market here, but I'd like to cross the threshold into the new year, so I'm not responsible for the taxes on this right now? Mm, I haven't really. No, I haven't got into that situation. Um, as many people, well, as a lot of us know that we're here in 2017, um, the bull market kind of ended right at the end of the year. Right. Yeah. So if you were going to take profits, you took profits in 2017. So, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, shortly thereafter, as you saw, it started to go down, which would have been on the next calendar year. Right. I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, it's something to be aware of anyway. Just recognize the big takeaway from those two questions is obviously recognize that when you sell off, go into U- USTC or something like that, and then go into, you know, actually cash out, that's going to be considered a taxable event. And that's going to happen the minute that you actually swap this in for a stable coin. Is that correct? Like the moment that you would swap in for USTC that would be the taxable event. Is that correct? Well, any swap, if you bought, if you had Bitcoin and your Bitcoin value went up and you traded it for Ethereum, that is also a taxable event. It does not have to be USDC or a a stable coin. Mm -hmm. Uh, The taxable event happens when you change to another currency. Yeah, I did forget that part. So even crypto to crypto exchanges like that, you actually would get hit as well, regardless, because you're exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're ending that investment in the previous coin. So any gains that you made during that time would be considered gains. So yeah, good point. Right. Minus your initial investment. Correct. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So this next one is really good. So this will cover a few different types of investors in crypto. So question number six is how do I determine if my gain or loss is a short term or long term capital gain or loss? So this is where we were talking about maybe people who are more active traders versus longtime holders of crypto. So if you held the virtual currency for one year less before selling or exchanging the virtual currency, then you will have a short term capital gain or loss. So that is for less than a year. Um, If you held the virtual currency for more than a year before selling it, then you will have a long-term capital gain or loss. So it's basically a year. If you sell within a year, short, over a year, long. The period period during which you held the virtual currency, known as the holding period, (laughs) wouldn't it be funny if right here on the IRS site it actually called it the holding period? I really wish that they (laughs) swapped the LED right there. Right. But that begins on the day after you acquire the virtual currency and ends on the day you sell or exchange the virtual currency. So um, that is good to know in terms of definition. But at that point, we still don't know what the differences are and how you're getting taxed, which I think we're going to get into in a moment. Um, But before we even do Ewok, do you know some of the stipulations between maybe just generally? what a long-term capital gain tax might look like percentage-wise versus a short-term under a year capital gain tax? Um, well, short-term can be upwards of, you know, 20, 30, 40%. Mm-hmm. Uh, long-term gains usually start at about 15%. Now, all of your gains are tiered. So your first 
several, I, I don't even know the number off the top of my head, but like say your first $40,000 is taxed at a certain level. And then you get from 40 to 60 and that's taxed at a different level. And then 60 to 80 again at a different level. And they tier up into a higher bracket, uh, just like your income bracket. You know, obviously right. the more you make, the more they're going to take. Uh, it's very similar to your short-term, long-term capital gains. Yeah. Yeah. And that you are right. There's definitely different levels of it. And that that's where you're going to get so into the weeds that it's best to actually check this out. And you know what I'll do is in the uh, description of the podcast, I'll put a link straight to this FAQ so everybody can check it out. Um, but you can find out exactly what the levels are for, you know, whatever the amount you made was for whatever the type of gain was or anything like that. So kind of furthering that with question seven, how do I calculate my gain or loss when I sell virtual currency for real currency? If your gain or loss will be the difference between your adjusted basis in virtual currency and the amount you received in exchange for the virtual currency, which you should, should report on your federal income tax return in us dollars. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of a convoluted sounding answer. I'm not even really sure what's being said right there, but, um, <laughs> Some of these obviously are uh, extremely dry, so I'm just trying to pick out the ones that actually make sense. Um, so then, how do I determine my basis in virtual currency I purchase with real currency? So your basis, also known as your cost basis, is the amount you spent to acquire the virtual currency, including the fees, commission, and other uh, whatever acquisition costs. Your adjusted basis is your basis increased by certain expenditures and decreased by certain deductions or credits in us dollars so that's kind of just still more um you know that, that that's not really the meat of what we're talking about that's just kind of the different bases or bases i guess <laughs> um whatever you make yep. a purchase so. however mm -hmm. now that you brought that up and knowing that ethereum costs are extremely high right now yeah you can include those Ethereum fees into the acquisition cost of your coin. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're, we're going to come back, circle back to Hex here, but if you're ending a stake um, and you do get some interest, you can include those fees into the cost of, of the interest of that coin. So just, just keep that in mind. Uh, there's little, tips and tricks now hex is a little different because it's not considered this is the last i've heard it's not considered capital gains it is actually considered interest mm. um, which is taxed at a regular income not a capital gains rate uh, but again you can write off the ethereum cost that it got that it took to to mint those coins back into circulation. Right. Yeah, that's very topical too. So yeah, so uh, what would the difference be? And maybe we'll get there in this article. I forget if it's in here or not. But the difference between taxes on interest earned versus like just a standard capital gains tax, what would be different about the just interest being built? Well, their interest fees are pretty much the standard income. Uh, they look at that as, as uh, an income instead of like i said instead of a capital gain it, it just goes toward income that you earned earned income i gotcha that makes sense just add it in okay yep. 
Okay, so going down yep. this list, um, the next 15 or so questions were not totally applicable to the regular just crypto holder. It was kind of more like if you exchange it for property or pay somebody in it and stuff. And you can certainly look into those if you'd like. But I went down to question 22. Um, and some of this will be kind of kind of applicable here soon. But one of my cryptocurrencies went through a hard fork, but it did not receive any new cryptocurrency. Do I have income in this scenario? The answer to that is a hard fork occurs when a cryptocurrency undergoes a protocol change, resulting in a permanent diversion from the legacy distributed ledger. I'm actually kind of surprised they have this in here. Um, uh, this may result in the mm -hmm. creation of a new cryptocurrency on a new distributed ledger, in addition to the legacy cryptocurrency on the legacy distributed uh, ledger. If your cryptocurrency went through a hard fork, but you did not receive any new crypto, whether through an airdrop... Um, or some other kind of transfer, you don't have taxable income. So this is an interesting one because um, we obviously have Pulse Chain coming up here, um, which we've kind of agreed upon. We think might not happen until December still, it's looking like. But anyway, that's another conversation. We'll probably have it again. But um, Ewok, <laughs> talk a little bit about this scenario and how this would be applicable to what is going to be the, the soonest big-time fork we're going to see in the crypto universe anyway um with pulse chain happening eventually so i i was looking at these before we started our our conversation here a little bit and a hard fork that they're talking about is like something like ethereum just went through with the eip 51559 mm -hmm. <clears throat> it was called the london fork where they introduced some new code but there was no um there was no airdrop of any new coins whatsoever. Um, I, I think what we're looking at with Pulse Chain is actually the following question, um, followed by an airdrop. Um, we are so the way that Pulse Chain was worded. <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> uh, the way it was worded is that. You didn't really purchase anything. You sac you you. Uh, what's the word I want to say? You took part in a sacrifice set, which means essentially you sacrificed money uh, for a political statement, saying that you believed <clears throat> in blockchains with lower fees and more throughput. Mm. Um, now, when we do get an airdrop, there will be zero value. Um, so <laughs> that being said, there should not be any kind of value that would create a taxable event. Um, the wording is still a little cryptic, I guess, <laughs> um, because it could be, um, I, I guess there's a couple ways you could interpret it to say, well, once this did actually gain value, um, there would be a taxable event at this time. But uh, according to everybody I've spoken with, uh, with the with the Pulse Chain fork, there it'll be a non-taxable event because of the zero value given to it whenever it's, it's released to us. Well, it would make sense because, yeah, it's not as if you are, you know, getting copies of your hex at like the current hex price. You know, it's not like you're receiving um, just an identical, identi 
cold copy of your uh portfolio or anything like that and that actually bleeds into the subsequent question here on 23 of one of my cryptocurrencies went through a hard fork followed by an airdrop and i received new currency uh do i have income and it says if a hard fork is followed by an airdrop and you receive new cryptocurrency you will have a taxable income in the taxable year you receive that cryptocurrency now right. they, they kind of like you said they aren't really specifying to the level of did it start with any value of any kind? Because if you know you just get, um, I don't know, fifty thousand worthless coins, which would literally be the scenario, right. you know, is that taxable? which has happened um, in MetaMask? I've gone in before and seen what what's this coin that claims it's got all this value, but you can't trade it anywhere. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> there are some of those that happen. I refuse to claim those on my taxes because I didn't ask for them. I didn't want them. I don't use them. Um, in fact, I would rather just burn them. I'd send them to a burn address because that kind of uh, alleviates you from the responsibility to, to claim it. So, you, you know, if you ever get garbage tokens like that, <laughs> save yourself. If you want to just send them to the burn address, you can. Yeah, they're not going to go anywhere anyway. And that, that does bring up a good point. I mean, we all know that this shouldn't be the case, obviously, with the new version of Hex. But who's to say right. that it's going to appreciate in price astronomically right away? What if this thing uh, doesn't do anything? Now, we don't think that, obviously, but you never know. Um, right. But with question 24, actually, it even kind of gets into that a little bit more. How do I calculate my income from cryptocurrency I received following a hard fork um when you receive cryptocurrency from an airdrop you will have ordinary income equal to the fair market value of the new cryptocurrency when it is received so again i mean to me that actually does spell it out a little bit more if it's zero yep. then the answer is zero yep exactly okay because that's that's what i'm getting so yeah and they say fair market value i mean what I mean, if it's when you receive it and it's zero, then it's zero. There is that. That's the fair yeah. market value. And it says, which is when the transaction is recorded on the distributed ledger, provided you have dominion and control over the cryptocurrency, so that you could transfer, sell, or exchange, um, or, or dispose of at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yes, if the market value is zero, then that is your taxable taxable event. Now. Um, I know when Uniswap gave their airdrop, it immediately had value. So that was a, um, a pretty sizable airdrop that a lot of the hexagons received because we're pretty much the ones that made Uniswap popular mm -hmm. um, from the beginning. And they gave pretty much everybody 400 coins that had a immediate value on day one so right that's what i was going to ask is um so, you know with your experience <clears throat> in the crypto game like has there how how many times has there actually been a scenario in the past where through a fork and an airdrop there is a price to the coin that you receive right away i mean like is that has that been more typical throughout history yes it, it's more typical to when it happens for it to have value right away uh, the second you get it, it pretty much begins 
trading right away. Uh, Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, for example, is a, probably one of the first mainstream ones where it happened, where that coin did have value and pretty immediately. So, right. So I'm going to drop down to uh, now this one seems pretty obvious, but again, I want to cover everything we can for people. But question 38, will I have to recognize income gain or loss if I own multiple digital wallets, accounts or addresses capable of holding virtual currency and transfer my virtual currency from one to another? So basically just going from one wallet to another wallet. And obviously the answer is no. If you transfer virtual currency from a wallet address or account belonging to you to another wallet address or account that also belongs to you, then the transfer is a non-taxable event. Even if you receive an information or uh, receive an information return for an exchange for platform as a result of the transfer. And obviously this is the same with just regular banks. You make a transfer or something like that. That's not a taxable event, but I think it makes sense for people to ask this because, you know, there are times um, where you may be going from just an exchange wallet to a um, maybe like a native wallet for a certain coin or something like that. And sometimes there may even be like a super small fee just for doing that. So, you know, you can see why somebody might think that that could be a taxable event or something like that. So I think it's at least good that they included that on right. here. Um, do you have any yep. thoughts on that? I'm trying to see. We only have like seven of these left. And I'm trying to see if any of them are that applicable here. So I'll take a look here. Um, no, I, just keep in mind, um, you know, when you get down to the real nitty gritty of it, all your fees are a, a deduction. Mm-hmm. You know, you can write off the fees. So um, as you said, if you do transfer something from an exchange wallet to a, a, a cold wallet or cold storage, whatever, um, or even a, you know, more secure wallet where you do own your keys, uh, that, that, that transaction fee is a, is a write-off. So, you know, they look at it as a business and that is an expense. Yeah, it's definitely good to know. And I, I think probably the, the biggest takeaway, the two biggest takeaways from this are that, you know, this is a game in which you can earn some pretty sizable income. I mean, when you're investing in crypto, I mean, it's no secret. There's many people out there that flaunt it every day that uh, they've returned pretty crazy monetary gains through investing in crypto. And you need to be careful with how it's being reported because it might be, you know, an amount of money that you haven't really had before in your life. And you want to make sure that it's reported correctly and taken care of correctly. But then also to protect yourself, actually being judicious with your taxable events, I think is a good idea. You know, um, again, you and I are not really traders or anything like that. And we're really looking into the long term and you want to really like actually cash out when it's time to cash out, whether that be to then just buy back in maybe in another month or so when you feel like you're at the bottom of the bear market or something, or to just really realize those gains and use them in your everyday life or something like that. So, um, yep. I think you owe it to yourself, not only to, uh, know the tax law and know these questions within the IRS, but also actually take gains when it's most advantageous to you. Um, Ewok, do you have any kind of just more, I think we covered most of it, but do you have any more kind of just general thoughts about taxes when it comes to crypto? Yeah. I mean, if you really want to play it safe the the rule of thumb is the rule of thirds you know when you cash out and you do take profit you're gonna want to 
put a third aside for taxes. Hmm. You're going to want to put a third aside to have fun with. And most people take a third and reinvest it somewhere. Um, that's honestly your safe play. That's one rule that can pretty much keep you out of trouble. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, and, and, you know, as you said, there's the crypto is the highest appreciating asset that there has been so far in mankind. Uh, things have, have gone up. You know, Bitcoin did a 6.5 million X. Uh, it's just unheard of. So if people got in that early and held on to it uh, till it's till its peak here, you know, in May or whenever that was, you know, they've made 6.5 million X on their money. It's just unheard of. And right. many people get that whole sudden wealth syndrome uh, where they really like you said, have never experienced that kind of wealth before. And most of them, if they're not careful, will end up broke just like your normal lottery winners. And that's why it happens. Uh, so play it smart. Always put money aside for taxes. I know there's, you know, a lot of people out there that are out for freedom and and rights and, and things like that, that are going to try to avoid paying taxes. If you're going to avoid paying taxes do it legally get a tax accountant find ways to do it that because there are loopholes in the system that allow you to do just that that's the thing though you have to find them and and get somebody that knows what they're doing and help you through that because if you try to do it on your own or just try to avoid it you're gonna end up getting yourself in trouble and you don't want to do that it's not worth it and, you know, leading uh, something we didn't actually even talk about that you just reminded me of is if you really don't like it either and you find yourself in a position in life, you know, we see people in this space every day that um, basically tr- attempt to or just go ahead and renounce their citizenship and move elsewhere. Um, there are people we've already talked about the uh, 181 days of living in Puerto Rico idea, I think it is, or 183 yep. days or whatever yep. it is. Um, so that's an option too. I mean, that, that's something that you can do if that interests you and you've, you've reached a level of income that, uh, you know, that'd be possible for you. So that, that's also another route you could go. Yeah. There are many countries out there that are very crypto friendly, you know, like we said, Panama, uh, Panama is another one. Spain is another one. Uh, you just have to do your research. Um, and if you want to stay in the United States, uh, Puerto Rico has been a, a popular destination choice of many hexagons. So, yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Um, I think that covered most of it. Like I said, again, I'll go ahead and leave these FAQs in the description of the podcast. Not the funnest topic today, but it is one that you must know. And crypto is usually fun in games. We get that. It's a lot of fun. But you need to make sure that you're doing it right so you can have the most amount of fun and retain the most amount of fun you can have at the end so that's going to wrap it up for us this week once again you can follow us on twitter at creative crypto also leave us a rating and review on the podcast you can buy us a cup of coffee with the link in the description as well we very much appreciate it and we will catch you next week on the creed of crypto podcast